In this episode, we're headed under the sea. Now, would you kindly sit back, relax, and listen to the show? Welcome back, or welcome in, whichever one it is for you, to episode number nine of the Banging Horrors podcast. Um, Today, we're talking about Bioshock. You probably gathered that from the beginning of the episode. Would you kindly? uh, Fans of the game would recognize that. And I did that audio um, equalizing. I'm not really sure what it's fucking called. I did it myself in GarageBand on the MacBook, and I somehow have fucked up all the audio now for uh, that entire one. So now I'm back on the iPad. It's going to sound completely different. It's very common here at Banging Horrors to have technical issues. And the reason we have so many technical issues is because I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. But that's okay. We're going to press on and... It's not a big deal. I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm going to stay completely calm, and we're going to get through this episode. If you're listening now, I'm going to assume that you survived Valentine's Day. Congratulations. Welcome in. Uh, A new week, a new Tuesday. We're ready to tackle all of life's challenges. And speaking of life's challenges, it's starting to warm up here in Texas. I don't like that at all. There's a lot of people that talk about seasonal uh, depress, de- depression. Uh, I can't remember the actual term for it. Uh, me personally, when it's cold outside and it's gloomy and not very sunny, overcast, kind of dark, that's when I feel alive. Now, we're coming into the hotter season. Eh, the sun really just depletes all my energy. I don't understand. People act like they get out in the sun and it's the best thing ever. When I get out in the sun, it it just drains me. It just it physically ails me to be in the sun and to see sunlight. Uh, I'm a person that likes the darkness. Uh, I might be a vampire, but really, I just think I'm normal and everyone else that enjoys sunlight is just fucking strange. That's seasonal depression is summertime. Summertime sadness. That's what Lana Del Rey was talking about. She wasn't talking about uh, fucking uh, wintertime sadness. It was summertime sadness. Seasonal affective disorder. I I could just Google what the fuck it's called. I'm not going to. I'm just going to continue to rant about it, uh, not knowing the correct terminology for what I'm speaking about. But another thing that causes this summertime sadness is cyclist. Okay, I don't know if I have any cyclist that listen to the show. I have a bicycle. You know, I feel like most people had bicycles when we were kids. You fucking ride around. But, you know, when the sun starts coming out, the cyclists start coming out. So I'm driving down River Road yesterday. It's 81 degrees. It's fucking terrible. It's bright as shit. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's just, it's already bad, right? It's already a horrible day. And then the cyclists get out. And I can only imagine if you're a cyclist, like you wake up and you're like, oh my God, today is so beautiful to me, not to Tim, 
But today is so beautiful, and we're going to uh, get on our bicycle, and we're going to hold up all of fucking traffic, and we're just, we're going to ruin everyone's day. So, I, that's, that's, that's really my rant. I'll try to stop there. Uh, the cyclists, they just, yesterday, they really got to me, um, declaring my war on cycling that I take up a few times a year. Anyway... Let's go ahead and talk about today's episode. It's not about cyclists. It's not about seasonal depression and summertime sadness. It's about Bioshock, the 2007 classic that's um, named one of the greatest games ever in the history of gaming. Bioshock is a 2007 first-person shooter developed by 2K Boston, later Irrational Games, and 2K Australia, and published by 2K Games. Uh, I'm reading off the Wikipedia here. That's all, it sounds like a lot of redundancy to me. I feel like they could cut that down a little bit. But basically, 2007, Bioshock comes out. It was released on uh, Microsoft Windows and the Xbox 360. It was released on the uh, PlayStation 3 in 2008. It was built using the Unreal Engine, and it, it's an absolutely beautiful game. It's kind of crazy to think about. We talked about Fear a few episodes ago. Fear came out like a year before Bioshock, somewhere in there. Now, I don't know much about, you know, game engines or car engines or graphics, shit like that. I just know it looks good. And for them to be out around the same time, uh, Bioshock just blows it out of the water. Like, it's kind of insane just how graphically beautiful this game is even playing it now i'm sure there's a remastered version i was just playing the uh, original pc 2007 game graphically it is amazing quality absolutely beautiful i can kind of remember playing this game in 2007 originally on the xbox 360 and just being blown away then i'm pretty sure i was playing on a plasma tv anyone old enough to remember those So now let's go ahead and get into sort of the setting in which the game Bioshock takes place. To do that, we're first going to have to talk about Andrew Ryan. And it's funny with Andrew Ryan, sort of how relatable uh, the game still is today, right? There's multiple historical figures that embody Andrew Ryan. I believe the closest one today would have to be Elon Musk. Um, uh, The game obviously came out before Elon Musk's rise to power and fame, but Andrew Ryan is a business tycoon. He's a mogul, and he wants to continue his work um, without being scrutinized by government oversight. So he's going to build an underwater city, And he's going to take all the best scientists he can get with him down here and just continue to develop technology and advance society. And he can't do that there, so he's going to start his own place, uh, his own underwater utopia, in order to do this. For me, this is eerily similar to Elon Musk wanting to go to Mars, right? we, We have religious interference we have government interference but we're we have a lot of money so why don't we just go somewhere else and build our own city and do whatever the fuck we want to do it's uh, i think maybe and i'll have to i'll message elon musk on twitter and see if he was inspired by andrew ryan andrew ryan wants not separation 
of church and state. He wants separation from church and state. So he's going to take all these free thinkers and artists. He builds an underwater city, Rapture, in a Art Deco style. And everyone's just going to be happy living under the sea. One of the problems that they run into, though, is they discover a new sea slug under the sea here. They're able to extract stem cells that they call Adam. They can overwrite a human DNA. So this is where the term later on, we'll talk about it, but splicer comes from because they're literally going to splice uh, superpowers taken from these fucking sea slugs with human DNA, and it gives people superpowers. To me, this could be comparable to the Neuralink that Elon Musk is uh, trying to get everyone to get installed in their brain. So again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but if a, if a duck quacks like a duck or however the fuck the saying goes, if this comes to fruition, you heard it here first. And this is where the player character, Jack, comes in. We're on a plane, and then all of a sudden, we're in the ocean. Obviously, our plane fucking crashed. Uh, what's our plan now? We're going to swim to a lighthouse and take a, a, a diver's helmet, sort of a, an, an elevator, and we're going to travel down, and this is going to take us into Rapture. We're immediately introduced at the bottom here to our first splicer, and she's a scary-looking bitch. What do we do? There's a two-way radio, and we have a, a very friendly, helpful person, Atlas, that's going to help us through, help us through the game. We're contacted coming down this elevator by a very friendly character named Atlas. And Atlas is going to be our guide and help us navigate the underwater paradise that is Rapture. I really enjoyed how Bioshock teaches you the core game mechanics. Because while there is sort of a tutorial with it, it kind of lets you play how you want to play it. So we'll get our first plasmid. Our plasmids are the serums that are produced from Adam. We'll find and buy plasmids throughout the game. We only have a few number of slots though, so we can't just use everything all at once. And we can uh, purchase additional slots. You can purchase more slots and uh, select plasmids at the gatherer's garden. And we'll change our plasmids at the gene bank. So, basically, the plasmids gonna, are going to give us our superpower. And there's a, a number of them in here that you'll use throughout the game. Um, honestly, the, the first ones are kind of my favorite. Insect Swarm is obviously one that was uh, from the original trailer back in the day. The, the first one that we're going to get here is going to be Electrobolt. And Electrobolt sounds exactly like the name. It shoots out a bolt of electricity. Our plasmids are going to be powered by Eve. We'll get Eve and we'll inject it into ourselves. We'll just jam all this shit into us. Not asking the cleanliness of the needle. I'm going to assume that in this utopian paradise that they've gotten rid of uh, B BBPs, bloodborne pathogens, maybe hepatitis and HIV. These things that are transferable by blood don't really affect us. So anytime we find a needle just laying around, we're fine with injecting it into ourselves. So we've got Electrobolt. Electrobolt, we're going to shock shit with it. And then we'll also get our first weapon. And our first weapon is going to be a pipe wrench. 
And the, the game shows you that you can shock somebody and stun them and then beat them to death with the fucking pipe wrench. We'll get a number of plasmids in the game. We're limited to the uses and we can change these out throughout the game. And we'll also have a few different weapons to choose. Uh, the pipe wrench is an easy one, right? We don't need ammo for that. We'll get different tonics in the game that can make us stronger while wielding the pipe wrench. My favorite weapon in the game is the first gun that we pick up, and that's the pistol. You you can upgrade the weapons. Pipe wrench can't be upgraded. It's a, it's a pipe wrench. But you can upgrade your weapons throughout the game. The pistol was a really cool one. My favorite one to use by far. Uh, there's a, a Tommy gun that you can get. There's a shotgun that, for some reason, it must be the spread on there. I'm not very good with the shotgun, and I am a MLG pro gamer. You'll get a grenade launcher at one point, the chemical thrower, and uh, last but not least, you'll get the uh, the crossbow. You, you'll also have different types of ammo to use in different situations. So again, the game makes it to where like Skyrim, right? If you want to play Skyrim, you can go in as a fucking mage and you can cast spells and all that shit. Or you can go melee and barehanded and just beat the shit out of people. And that's one good thing about Bioshock is the replayability because you can replay with a different build. So me personally, I really just use uh, Electro Bolt, uh, the, the Flame one, and fucking Flame On or whatever it's called. And so I would shock... I would flame, you can freeze is another cool one that I kind of utilize, and then just ran around with a pistol. But next time, I might go with a different build out. While you can change this in-game, I tend to stick to one thing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to max out my leveling for these things that I'm going to want to use, and that's how I'm going to run around and play the fucking game. I'm going to shock you, I'm going to flame you, and then I'm going to shoot you. I'm just a big flamer is really what it comes down to. Just another really cool concept that Bioshock does it, it lets you tailor how you want to fight in the game. You'll utilize the different plasmids, the different uh, ammunition that you get depending on the fight. It really lets you play the game how you want to play the game. Something I really, really love about Bioshock. Saying all this, who are we fighting in Bioshock? Our number one enemy is going to be the splicers. And the splicers are just the atom fiends, right? They're just, it's again, very relatable to the day. Rapture, what was once utopia, is now Skid Row. And these drug addicts, their DNA has been altered by taking the, the atom, by taking these plasmids. They, they have these superpowers. And there's five different types that you'll fight uh, throughout Bioshock. So basically what happened in Bioshock, there was a a civil war and it's caused Rapture to fall from a utopia to a dystopian city. A quick synopsis of how Rapture society broke down. So it was started by Andrew Ryan, right? Like Andrew Ryan has all the money. He has all the means of production. I know what you're thinking. Communism. Wrong. If anything, it's more of fascism with capitalistic means. It's kind of hard to put it into, because it's not an oligarchy. It's, uh, it's really the strong survive and the weak die. So if you have something that's successful, you have all this money, 
uh, you gain power and you rise up in the ranks. This created a huge boundary between the classes of people in Rapture, right? So if you were a successful artist, you had money and power, then you were at the top of the society. Well, let's say you're like me and you're not very artistic and you're not very smart. Well, what do you do? You Rapture needs people, uh, maintenance workers and welders and shit like that. We're now the marginalized part of society. We have the haves and the have nots. And there was a man, Frank Fontaine, that saw this and said, well, hey, I'm going to utilize this marginalized population of rapture to take power for myself. So that's what Frank Fontaine did. Andrew Ryan builds this society. He tries not to intervene in it, and he doesn't want government, right? That's what he was trying to escape on the surface. So creates rapture, and he just kind of leaves people to their own. Well, once the scientists discover uh, Adam in the sea slugs, this, uh, this drug is produced. It's not regulated. There's no intervention here. There's no government. So it's just put out everywhere. But Andrew Ryan believes that people will regulate themselves. Well, people can't regulate themselves. People are uh, have an insatiable appetite. They, they can't stop themselves from ruining themselves. And so basically, Andrew Ryan says, fuck it. People can do whatever the fuck they want to do here. But we are going to have one rule. It's the one law, and that's no contact with the surface. So Andrew Ryan is terrified of the Russians and the Americans coming to get him and discovering rapture, stealing his shit. So no contact with the surface world. It's all kept underwater. As we've seen multiple times throughout history, when you take something away from someone, they want it and they're going to figure out a way to get it. This is where Frank Fontaine comes into play. We can't go to the surface, right? That's the one rule or one law that Andrew Ryan has emplaced upon us. Well, what if I want shit that's on the surface? Frank Fontaine uh, owns a fishery. He's going to be the man that is going to start a smuggling ring, like a bootlegger. He's going to go to the surface. He's going to get the shit you want, bring it back to you. You're going to give him money to do that. So by doing this, just like we've seen, just like the bootleggers or anything else, cartel right now, they make a ton of money from this. So from this, Frank Fontaine is able to build up his wealth and his power and challenge um, Andrew Ryan for power, for authority of rapture. Andrew Ryan continuing to not check Frank Fontaine in his rise to power. He was reactive and not proactive. Now Frank Fontaine's too powerful. Uh, he's a murderer. He's a smuggler. Well, what does Andrew Ryan have to do now to stop Frank Fontaine? He's got to use brute force. And by doing this, this creates even more of a barrier between the two populations in Rapture, the haves and the have-nots. This will eventually lead to the downfall of polite society in Rapture, leading to the Civil War. And this is where we're coming into the game. This has already happened. The society's already fallen. As we progress through the game, we're going to learn all of this. We're going to learn the whole history of Rapture and everything that led up to these events. Okay, so we're here now, we're in Rapture, we're, we're learning about the history, we're fighting splicers. It doesn't take long for us to come across 
little sisters and big daddies. So little sisters are sent out into rapture to extract Adam from corpses. So there's such a high demand for Adam that instead of waiting to produce it, there's so many people that die and are dying. We can just take it from the splicers themselves and uh, re-harness it. Now, these little sisters go out. They're not fighters. They, they look pretty terrifying. They're in danger when they're out in rapture because the splicers know that they have the atom. Why not just kill the little sisters and take the atom? The little sisters go out with big daddies. Big daddies are their protectors, these hulking tanks. I believe originally they were the construction workers of rapture and they were bonded with the little sisters in order to uh, protect them. So that way, when the listeners go out to, to get at them, they're protected by their big daddies. When you encounter them, you're going to be given the option to save or kill the little sisters. And that's going to trigger the morality system in Bioshock. And it will lead to two separate endings. Me just being the person I am, again, not sure what it says about me. I choose to kill the little sisters. To me, they're possessed. They're demonic. I'm going to slaughter them. That's just, I'm sorry. That's just what's going to happen. However, I will say most people are probably going to disagree with my system here and the right thing to do is to save them and it'll lead to the better ending if that's the the kind of shit that you're interested in we're also going to be fighting the big daddies so the big daddies when you fight these guys they're they're tanks they are uh, some of the most challenging fights in the game and you're really going to have to utilize the plasmids uh our, our superpowers along with our weaponry here and level up and be proficient in it in order to take down these guys because if you just go in like if i try to just go in with a revolver you're gonna get fucked up by these big daddies so make sure you're you're utilizing your powers you've leveled those up and your weaponry here with the correct ammunition to defeat the big daddies bioshock creates some unforgettable characters for us to encounter throughout the game two of my favorite had to be uh, Sander Cohen, who quickly became one of my favorite video game characters of all time. Just the look of him, and he's a deranged artist. Playing through his little uh, area story is is very fun. And the other one would be J.S. Steinman. J.S. Steinman is the, the plastic surgeon that's gone mad. While we'll discover these awesome characters in Bioshock, we'll also get to see the completely different levels that Bioshock has. These are going to be as diverse as the characters that we encounter in the game. So Bioshock, each different level, sort of each different part of the city, it's different. It's all going to be this art deco style, uh, very clean, very awesome. There's water everywhere, but you come across a few places in game that I feel really stand out. One of those is Arcadia. That's the botanical garden where Rapture gets its uh, oxygen supply from. Arcadia is probably most people's favorite part of the uh, the city. It's just very unique looking, very good cinematography here by the developers. The next place that I really enjoyed uh, being home to Sander Cohen has to be Fort Frolic. Fort Frolic, which is an awesome name. I'm gonna start calling my bedroom Fort Frolic. Fort Frolic is the 7th or 8th level, uh, I can't remember which one, I want to say 7th, but it may have been 8th, that you're going to encounter. 
You're going to have a lot of fun there frolicking around. Before I forget to mention it, Bioshock uses a uh, sort of a puzzle, a puzzle system when you're hacking different machines and terminals. We all know how I feel about puzzles in horror games. I fucking hate them, every single one of them. But this is a cool puzzle. It's really more like a mini game where there's a liquid coming out of one side and you've got to get it to another and you've got to connect it with all these tubes and you've got to uh, click on all the fucking question marks. I actually enjoyed it. There's different tonics that you'll get that'll make you better at hacking and it's definitely worth it to do it. And if you don't enjoy it, there are times you can buy it out or sometimes you can just bypass it. You don't even have to fucking do it. But me personally, I enjoyed this little mini game puzzle and I've seen a lot of people talk about how much they didn't like it or didn't enjoy it. I thought it was a cool thing to add by Bioshock. Uh, it, I know it got completely changed in Bioshock 2, but it's one of the aspects of Bioshock I really enjoyed. Here's where we're really going to get into sort of the deep spoilers. I feel like a lot of this that I've talked about so far isn't a spoiler. It's, it's something you'll learn pretty much immediately going into the game. But now we're going to get into a deeper spoiler for the ending here. So if you haven't played Bioshock or if you're worried about that part of it, if you're still fucking listening uh, and you care about this, go ahead and fuck off now and we'll talk about spoilers. Eventually, we'll come face-to-face with Andrew Ryan. Here, Andrew Ryan tells us that Jack, us, we are actually Andrew Ryan's illegitimate son. I know we've all done it, right? Andrew Ryan slept with a stripper, had an illegitimate child. It happens to the best of us, and we learn that we were that child. We were sold as as a little baby, as an embryo. So Frank Fontaine got Dr. Tenenbaum, to rapidly age us into adulthood and turned us into an assassin. Uh, it's a lot like Zoolander in some ways. The the key word, the uh, relax. The Zoolander, in Zoolander, he when he hears relax, he's trained to be an assassin. So just like that, we're trained with would you kindly. So when we hear would you kindly, it makes us subservient. And that's what Atlas, if you... Uh, have noticed has been saying this whole time would you kindly in the beginning of the game the sequence that shows us in the airplane you can actually see it on the gift from your parents to would you kindly and we we also learn here that we hijacked the plane and fucking crashed it in order to be brought back here and we all we did all this because of atlas at this point andrew ryan is going to die of his own free will, sort of. He's going to ask us if we would kindly murder him with a a golf club. And so you just beat the shit out of him till he dies. It's kind of an enjoyable little sequence here. We'll get help from the doctors to get this would you kindly hypnosis taken away. And then we're going to, we're going after Atlas. We've learned that Atlas is Frank Fontaine. We've learned that Atlas is a piece of shit and he's been using us to do all of this, fight all these splicers, fight his whole battle that he was unable to do himself. We were able to do it, a fucking super soldier. And now he's going to grab power. So now we've got to go kill Atlas or Frank Fontaine. Just like Greta Thornburg, Thunberg, whatever her name is, you know, we were robbed of our childhood. We shouldn't be here. We were turned into an adult. We're fucking Tom Hanks and Big. This is bullshit. We need to harness this rage. We're going to go kill Fontaine with the help of the little sisters, and we're going to end this shit. Now, the ending 
does depend on the morality in the game with how you interact with the little sisters, like I spoke about earlier. After researching online though, I did learn that you can kill one little sister. So if you decide the first one you're gonna kill them and after that you save the rest of them, the, you have a, a good moral compass, you're gonna get the good ending. If you were like me, you're gonna get the bad ending. I get the bad ending in most games. It's a reoccurring theme here on the uh, Bane Horse podcast. Depending on how we interacted with the little sisters, like I said earlier, that's gonna determine our ending here. Two possible choices. The first one is the good ending that I didn't get. If you get the good ending, then uh, you adopt four or five of the little sisters and you go off and everyone lives a happy life and Tannenbaum fucking narrates it and it's beautiful and it's whatever. Now, if you got the Tim ending, then we were we killed all the little sisters and it shows the the Navy showing up on a submarine. Splicers are gonna jump out and attack. We get nuclear missiles, and we have stolen the terrible secrets of the world. And that's it. That, that, that's the two endings that you get here with Bioshock. They're, they're pretty cool. Pretty cool ending. Sort of my final thoughts here on the game. Bioshock is absolutely one of the greatest, not even horror games, horror genre games. Definitely one of the greatest just games ever made. It was revolutionary in 2007, and it still holds up today. I've never played Bioshock 2. I never played Bioshock Infinite. From what I understand, Bioshock Infinite loses the horror aspect to it, or maybe moves away from it. Maybe doesn't lose lose the uh, the horror genre title. But I believe in Bioshock 2, we are a big daddy, and we're going, I'm definitely going to have to play Bioshock 2. I've got it on Steam. It's just that I need to... Lindsay's calling me. And I'm back after being rudely interrupted by my editor, and because I waited so long and then fucked it up, it's now Tuesday. This episode, if you're listening, is supposed to come out today. It's... Let's see what time it is. It's 12.50. I'm going to try to get this all edited and get it out. I say new episodes every Tuesday. I don't say when. It's usually Tuesday morning because they're already done. This time, it didn't happen. But I'm already past 30 minutes now. I'm going to see how much I can get it edited down to. So I think we're going to call this one an episode. Check out the socials, bangingwhores.com, the Banging Whores podcast, everywhere else. Just just Google Banging Whores and you'll find all the shit. It's pretty simple. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all that bullshit. Uh, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, share, whatever the fuck you're supposed to do on these. And um, I appreciate everybody that listens. If you're a first-time listener, we now have eight other episodes for you to listen to. So if you made it to the end of this one, you're like, holy shit, I absolutely have to listen to more of this. Go ahead. We've got a whole catalog going now. New episodes every Tuesday. I'm out. I'll see you all next week. <laughs>